but that's a real thing. So I don't want people to come away from this going, I should never get any sun. It's accumulated sun damage that causes the skin problems we see. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You are about to hear from Chris Gibson. Today, we're going to talk all about healthy skincare, what ingredients you should avoid, light therapy, and even melasma. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Chris Gibson, who's a sought-after skincare expert and holistic health coach esthetician. He is also the best-selling author of the acclaimed book, Acne Free in Three Days, with over 1 million copies sold and has a very successful YouTube channel, Chris Gibson Live. With over 116,000 subscribers, the channel is dedicated to providing expert information and product reviews on skincare and wellness topics for both skin issues and anti-aging. His social media reaches well over 200,000, increasing every day. He was recently featured in USA Today on the topic of seven freaky chemicals in your skincare products and how to avoid them. Chris has been popularly featured on CBS, ABC Family, Fox News, The Daily Buzz, and numerous lifestyle television and radio shows across the country and in Canada. He's available for both television, podcast, and radio programs. Welcome to the show, Chris. Good to be here. Well, tell us your story. How did you become such a sought-after skincare expert? By accident. <laughs> no, I had um, problems with skin issues galore in my early teens, really starting about 11. So I really went through the paces all the way into my 20s trying to clear up cystic acne, which is the deepest form that causes scarring. Some really good dermatologists, and we did everything they could think of, including Accutane twice to try to clear it up, but it always would come back. So I ended up having to be my own kind of doctor. This is in the 80s, so there's no internet. So I had to go I had to do the herbal store, you know, back of the, I always say they were in the back of the shopping centers. There was no GNC. There was no vitamin shop. There, there was none of that. They were herbal stores owned usually by a cultist. So it was like a new age store that sold herbs. That's kind of what you had to go to. But I learned a lot from that. The herbal experience, I took Tahibo tea, which is a detoxification herb, which made the acne get worse before it got a little bit better. So I, that's when I first figured out, okay, there's something to what I'm eating. There's something, there's something internal causing this. So I was a typical early 20 year old in that I was, you know, I had my Coca-Cola and my whatever chocolate bar, Snickers bar, or whatever in my diet and didn't realize that sugar was playing such a big role. So I went on a fast. That's the first thing I did. I went on a, which I got from the occult side, which is an Edgar Casey apple fast from 1944, because we didn't have colon cleanses in the early 80s either. You didn't have any of that stuff. So I went on an apple fast, apples and water only for three days. And guess what? No, it went completely away. Like not only did it go away, the marks that I usually had, the redness, the inflammation left behind, this is pre-esthetician days went away as well. I was just shocked. So then, of course, I was afraid to put anything in my mouth <laughs> because I didn't know I didn't want it to come back. So the first time that I had a Coca-Cola, not picking on them, a sugary soda, it, probably about six weeks later is when I finally had one of those, I started to break out. So I recognized that sugar was an issue and I dug deeper and got on probiotics. Again, all this stuff had to come from weird places back then. There was no Activia yogurt. So there was none, none of that. Uh, in fact, the medical community didn't even believe in probiotics back then. 
at all. They believed in anti- antibiotics, but not probiotics. So um, a few years later, you know, I kind of did my life and and I on the side, I did nutrition and things like that, fitness, because I was really into all of that stuff. But in 2004, I wrote a book on that experience. I had been publishing business books after the dot-com bus to help companies do well on the internet. That's what I was doing. And a friend of mine met me. The, uh, well, it's really, he was my business partner but and a friend, but we had never met. That's the days of the internet, right? He was here in Florida and I was up in Pennsylvania at the time. They came to finally meet me and his wife is like, wow, you're how old? Because then I was 40, 40 years old in 2004. So I didn't look it. And so we got to talking about skincare and all these different things and my experience. And they're like, we should write a book on that. That would be interesting. Now, there's no Amazon selling ebooks yet either. They had just gotten started. So we put a little, I put a little 61 page ebook together on my experience, not how to, not as this is how you do just what I went through. And we put it out on a platform called ClickBank. They're still around. This is before Amazon. And it went crazy, like overnight. Like we put it out thinking, oh, we'll sell a few copies as part of the whole catalog of books that we were doing. And when I got up the next day, the email was just full of sales messages, you know, because then you had it one yeah, at a yeah. time. And I'm like, so I spent about a year taking people's questions from the esthetician side, answering more detail through emails. I, I built a following before it was the thing to do because I was accessible. So many people could go get books on things, but they didn't typically get to talk to the author so I was one of early adopter of all of that technology, which was nowhere what it's like now. It was a lot of work because you had all these different platforms. I got questions and they got answers and we built a better book. Or I took the book and revised it. We put it out as a new ebook, which did even better. Then it was a paperback, which this is where it gets really interesting. I took to a skincare conference in Toronto, Canada to give away. There's a company that had a product a peel product that helped with acne scarring that really worked. I really liked it. So I wanted to just, if someone bought their peel, they got a free book. Well, a TV producer who had been struggling with acne, who was in her mid forties then, like me, picked, got the book and read it and then called me up and said, would you like to come up here on television and talk about this? Because this is a big problem for people. I said, sure. <laughs> so I went to Canada and ended up on the A channel, which is kind of their BBC. That was the beginning of all of that. You know, once I did TV, then TV producers were like, we need to have you on. And Fox, local Fox News picked me up and I went as, as in every city. I did that for two years, almost three. Lifestyle shows. It went from interviewing me about the book to demonstrating some of the techniques that I had learned that were helpful, both from dermatology and esthetician expertise. And so I did that until the recession hit. And then, you know, like all things, that dark time in 2008 and nine, my mom passed away. And I was like, do I really want to keep doing this? I've been doing this for six years. I'm tired of being on the road. I'm tired of living in the cold. So I upheaved my life, sold everything and moved to Florida. It's really a little bungalow on the beach for about three years and took some time off. And then I decided I want to do YouTube, I think, with this. So I'll be able to help people because I still had my following some of them. And so I started the YouTube channel in 2018. And I said, if it does, if the videos I do do okay, because I knew it was very competitive, then I'll stick with it. So that's what I did. I did video. The first video I did was on sunscreen and the chemicals in them because they were being banned in 2018. 
It's when that first started in Hawaii and here in Key West. So I did a video on why they're bad for you in the environment and what to use instead. And the video did pretty well. By YouTube standards, it did really well. But, you know, it wasn't cooking shows I was on because I'd been sitting on the beach. I gained a little bit of weight. So I was bogged my intermittent fasting experience and my keto experience, which fit right into what my knowledge was of diet and health. It was very helpful to me. Intermittent fasting has been amazing for me. And those did okay. And then I eked along 5,000 subscribers, you know, 10,000 subscribers, but they were very engaged folks. And I had my blog and so it got very engaged and the questions kept coming about you think about how do you look so good at your age? Yeah. Can we so, pause there? So you, you clearly shared your age because you said in 2004, you were 40. Yeah. So you're almost 60. Almost 60. You look like I you're 40. Mean, like you 60. look great. Yeah. <laughs> I so would the, not gray, the grays are in there, but you know, yeah. Barely, I mean, it doesn't, you have a hat on, but <laughs> yeah, you look, you look great. So some of that I get from my, from my parents, obviously genetics do help you, but they don't help you if you don't take care of yourself. Cause there are a lot of people in my family with the same family line that don't look like me at all. So, you know, I never smoked or did drugs. So that, there's a yeah. lot of things that go into play of with your DNA and how that plays out as you get older. But when I started talking about my age on the channel, that's when it blew up. So I went from like 10,000 subscribers in six months to 50. Then in another three months, 100. And now it's 150. Today, it'll actually hit 155. That's since, since even you got that information from me, that's how quickly it's grown. So yeah, it's a thing. And it's part of it is because I'm an oddity on YouTube, which is always the best thing to be. I'm in the over 50 skincare group, I guess that's really where you place me, even though I still work with teens and adults with the acne, my anti-aging videos just do exceptionally well to, you know, 100,000, 200,000 views because I'm a guy talking about skincare and the over 50 part of YouTube is really ladies. And they're talking about skincare, good stuff, diet, good stuff, fashion. I don't talk about fashion, makeup. I talk some cosmetics. I'll talk about what's in them in certain ways to help you look better. But I rely on some of my newly found peers like Wayne Goss, who's a huge makeup artist on YouTube. I send people to him all the time and he watches my anti-aging videos. So the dream come true for me with this has been that I'm now large enough of a channel that I can have really good peer to send people to that know who I am. I follow Susan Yara on, on Twitter and she, they don't do shout outs necessarily for me, but I have people I can send people to for specific things that are at a level that I trust. They know who I am. You know what I mean? When you're little, that no, it's you get lost in that sea. There's that million people, millions of people trying to do YouTube channels. So, um, so I've been very, very fortunate. It's been very rewarding. You know, the other thing I think that's been helpful is I developed two skincare lines back in the acne days. We did a whole line of holistic skincare items for people with acne that were based on castor oil and glycerin, vegetable glycerin, rather than sulfates. And you know, that's when I really learned all of that. And then I just reformulated or formulated a anti-aging line. So we started all over. I actually started that before I did the channel because that's what I thought I was going to do was just the skincare. Small line. I don't really push it. It, it just pushes. It's, it's on the block. People get it for themselves. But basically, I just wanted to be able to provide my experience. And now that experience includes, it's hard for me to believe, 35 years of doing this, which is, I'm like, where did that time go? 
because, you know, 23 is when I really dug in and started learning. So now here we are and, you know, 35 years later, I'm 58 and still talking about stuff. So, but, you know, now I talk about a lot more things, not having to be on network television. I'm not limited to four to five minutes and I'm not limited to what I can talk about because there were things they didn't want me to talk about, like internal cleansings and colonics. And they, they real CBS particularly had a problem with that. I'm like, oh, you guys are anal retentive. <laughs> <laughs> that was my joke, you know, because that was not a popular thing back then. Cleanses, even in 2004, that's when MRSA came on the scene. So I had a lot of things on my period timing-wise that were, were interesting. Two things that happened when I was in the news was the MRSA issue, and then the recognition of childhood obesity. So suddenly I'm on TV shows talking about those as well, you know, because I'm saying acne for a lot of folks that doesn't clear up on its own after teen years has to do with antibiotic use in a lot of folks and they don't realize it. So now we had MRSA, which was a super bugs. And now they're trying to come up with probiotics. And then you saw activity, you know, the consumerism follows the science slowly. So now there are, you have the ability to buy some really good probiotic, whereas before they weren't all that great. Now there are some very potent ones out there on the market that are really good for people. Uh, we know to take them now when we're taking antibiotics so that kill everything out and then feel like crummier than we did for the reason we were taking them. So lots has changed, but it's an exciting time to be doing this because now we have light technologies. We have skincare technology that doesn't require you to go into a a statistician or a dermatologist's office to get treatments that you can do from home that are non-invasive. You know, I keep predicting the flip in skincare is going to be that the main skincare routine, which it is for me, is going to be therapies, light therapy, EMS, RF radio frequency, ultrasound mm-hmm. therapies, uh, stem cell re- therapies, those type of therapies that you're going to be seeing. And then the topicals that we hear about so much today will be the secondary piece, whereas flipped right now. Yeah, most people yeah, I think I need to put too. a most people think I need to put a cream on. Well, yeah, but cream doesn't do anything down deep. So right. you know, it's an exciting time to have all these gadgets and tools and test them out to see people who have lost their hair to cancer or whatever alopecia be able to use a red light helmet and it actually grow back. It really works. It for a lot of people that works. That's crazy. That's no drugs. That's no minoxidil. That's not poisoning yourself. It's a light therapy. So, I mean, we're, we're at the tip of the iceberg of that stuff. So it's just really exciting. Well, let's go back to the basics maybe for a minute here. So in your opinion, obviously, this is a anti-aging or you know longevity podcast. And before we started recording, I, I kind of asked your opinion on functional medicine, integrative medicine, and make sure we're on the same page here. And we clearly are. So let's kind of go back to the basics. And I'd like for you to kind of answer what you think the best holistic approach to any given skin condition would be. What is a holistic? There are two things, two things that I have seen in my experience and experience myself that will change a person's skin health the fastest. And that is to, and it has nothing to do with skincare routines, by the way, diet, looking at your diet and making sure you're leaning to a healthy live plant diet. You know, I eat an avocado every day so that we could get into this, spend a whole podcast on diet, but that's very, very important to make sure you get the right nutrients. Vitamin K2 is so important in the body and so lacking. And so it's so difficult to get. You almost have to do a supplementation of that particular, that in D3. But there's also things about that. You can't take too much vitamin D. We have people ODing on vitamin D now. Can you believe that? (laughs) Taking too much. 
So, so you have to know what you're doing, but there are nutrients that you need in order for calcium to be placed correctly in the body. And calcium is one of the building blocks of collagen. So when we're deficient, see, that's why I make, I go all that. When we're deficient, we lose our collagen at a quicker rate and it happens faster in women than it does in men. So vitamin K2, very important. So diet. The other is physical fitness. And I have people push back on me. Oh, people that do physical fitness look older. And I'm not talking about being a marathon runner for your whole life. I'm talking about 30 minutes of activity a day, jogging, running, swimming, chase your dog, chase your significant other. I don't care. Physical activity is so important because people are far more sedentary than they think they are. Because I work with clients one-on-one still from my blog, and that's one of the things that comes up. They do a journal and they go, you know, I sit on my butt a lot more than I thought I did. So those two things, and they just had a study come out last October, Health God study, where they changed people's diet to what I'm talking about. They changed their activity levels, 52 to 75-year-olds, eight weeks, rolled back their biological age, different than your chronological age, by three years. In eight weeks, their biological markers were three years younger. So that's how much impact those two things have. And of course, your skin's going to show that. The bottom line, you know, you can do creams and lotions all day long and they're helpful. But if your overall health is lacking and you're lacking the nutrients and the circulation, especially when you need oxygen to get to the cells, if you're lacking all of that stuff, then you're not going to get the results you're looking for. In my world, antioxidant supplements are really important. When we, just when we think of a longevity right standpoint, what do you feel like the role of antioxidants are in skincare? Let's go to skincare for a minute here. Well, it's a, again, you got to get them from the inside out. So I'm a big vitamin C person as far as a topical. I think vitamin C serums that are, um, we have stable ones now, but I'll talk about that in a second. You really need 15% if you're going to use L-ascorbic acid. What that helps does is it seeps down in the upper layers of skin and stops the oxidation process on those cells. So you're producing new cells underneath. So you need the antioxidants internally to make sure that those cells are healthy, live longer, um, the telomeres don't get frayed faster. Then you have the vitamin C serum. This is just one vitamin C serum on the outside, helping the cells that you do have look better, long, healthier, longer. The skin we see is basically a layer of dead skin cells. So I say you're looking at old news, some people older news, <laughs> but you know, it's old news. So the concentration, while we want to we want to affect what happens as the skin reaches the surface and is exposed to the elements in air, we also want to make sure that the new skin cells we're creating are healthier. And that's the way you do it. So it's really kind of a sandwich between the two. But antioxidants, yeah, I mean, we create our metabolic processes alone create a lot of free radicals, a lot of toxins. If you have a high sugar diet, you've got glycation, you've got all of these kind of things that go on. And so it's really necessary to make sure that your diet is rich in vitamin E, vitamin C, your K2 is not an antioxidant, as, as we said, your omega-3s. I don't care. I tell clients these days, I'm like, look, I know not everybody likes fish and fish oil. If you have to do a gummy, do a gummy. Just realize there's sugar in that and watch how much of that you're doing, but at least take them <laughs> so that you have them. Because the studies have they studying omega-3s back in the late 60s. And so we have a lot of data now, health data on people that have taken those from their 30s. Now they're in their 80s. And it's made a significant difference for a lot of people, especially when it comes to strokes and arteriosclerosis and diabetes even. So we are too, we're lucky now that we have 10, 20, 30, 40 years worth of data on 
what do these supplements, do they really do anything or do they not? Now we're having to focus on teaching people how much is enough and not to overlap things because now everything's fortified and for vitamin D, for instance, if you're taking that, but you're getting it from other sources, you may be getting too much and it's fatty. It's a fat uh, syllable vitamin that so stores in the liver and it can make you ill. You can get too much. Plus your skin produces it anyway if you're getting some sun. So we, we, we have to work with people. There's always the idea, human humans, humaning, more is better. Oh, I need this. I'll take more. <laughs> and it can be detrimental. So it's finding that balance, really. And it's educating yourself on what's in food, what nutrients you're getting, and then making sure you supplement where you may be deficient. I totally agree that nutrition is foundational just from a, you gotta have, you have to build a healthy foundation. That's what I talk about in my book. You have to start with gut health and you have to eat healthy. I think another layer on top of that is supplements. And so we can test our patients. We run a nutritional analysis so we can look at their needs for vitamins, minerals, amino acids, antioxidants. I recommend that by the way, to people all the time, don't get a test and find out you may not be deficient in something and you'd be taking it and it can do you more harm than good if you're not needing that. So it's really good to know it's worth going and having that test, you know, whether it's to someone like you or, you know, someone goes to a medical doctor actually offers that I would ask for it. Especially if you've never had one. Because what we found in studies, too, is that through genetics and evolution, some people are prone to be short on their body absorbing certain nutrients, say like magnesium. My mom had a lifelong magnesium issue, but we didn't discover that until she was well under her 60s. And when they had a heart issue, you know, a lot of stuff was going on. And once they got that figured out, she was a lot better. She was a lot healthier. So, you know, it's good to know all of that stuff officially than to try to guess. Totally agree. And we also test for genetic SNPs here as well. But because you're the skincare expert, I do want to spend the rest of the podcast talking about skincare. So I really want to know what you feel must have ingredients are. So we kind of talked a little bit about vitamin C and antioxidants. And then I want to get back to those seven freaky chemicals that I mentioned in your bio that really need to be avoided. So let's start with what should be included. Like what are must have ingredients for skincare? What I have used myself for many, 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 many years, which is the benefit that you see. The first, obviously, vitamin C is very important for a topical. I also think that most people need some sort of exfoliator, especially after 35. So I use glycolic acid, which is made from sugarcane. I've used the same brand since I was 21, which was Alpha Skin Care. It used to be called Alpha Hydroxy. It was the first ones on the market with that. Really inexpensive alpha skincare, 14% glycolic acid every morning, which helps speed up that cellular turnover. What happens is, as we get older, those old cells get sticky. Let's just call it sticky. And they don't want to come off. And so the glycolic acid, and you can use lactic acid, will do the same thing. If you can tolerate that better, it's a little bit milder, made from milk. But it dissolves the bond between the old skin cells and the new ones, and it helps brighten and lighten the skin. It gets those darker skin cells uh, that have too much melanin in them, age spots, hyperpigmentation. helps with all of that. So between the vitamin C being the antioxidant, it also has a brightening mechanism. It also supports collagen production and collagen and elastin preservation. Because again, we're talking about the surface of the skin. So then you have glycolic acid. Every day I use it, but you can use it every day. It helps speed that turnover. And then you want to supply the chain amino acids that your skin is used to having that we produce less of as we get older, especially most people if their diet is off, which is collagen peptides, not collagen itself, it's peptides, which are just amino acids that your skin cells know how to absorb and work with. 
That helps promote collagen production, collagen preservation, and it helps reverse some DNA damage in the cells. So for a daytime routine, and then of course, I like oil-free moisturizer, hyaluronic acid, something like that. But those three are the core daytime. And of course, a good mineral sunscreen to protect your skin from the sun. So you need that because sunscreen has probably made a big difference for me as well over years. Can we digress for a minute and go back to sunscreen? You mentioned one of your first videos you made was on, you know, I think maybe the hazardous ingredients in sunscreens. Can you briefly mention what those are and what we should be looking for these days? Yeah, avabenzone, octanoxate, and oxybenzone are the main three that have been studied the most. Avabenzone, believe it or not, is the least evil of the three, but the octanoxate is a real problem in the oceans for ocean marine life and coral reefs. And the octanoxate and oxybenzone have been proven in some individuals to be absorbed past the blood barrier and can cause some issues, especially in children, because it interrupts hormone production. So we'll just put it to that. It's really complicated. But so, so avoid those. Avoid so those, avoid those <laughs> if you can. Um, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that one of the problems with those chemicals is that chemical sunscreens, and I'll talk about hybrids in a second, were literally mostly that and some sort of carrier oil. So there are very high concentrations. Under certain concentrations, not for the oceans, but for humans, there is no absorption. So what we see now is a hybrid skin sunscreen, which is mineral-based with a small amount of the chemical sunscreen to boost that. So what that allows those sunscreens to do, and I've tested about 100 of these things, is they go on clear. They don't make you look all polished and you know opaque looking. Uh, they're not greasy. There's not enough of the chemical to be a problem. For, it's still not in the ocean, not in the ocean. But for you personally, it's not going to be a toxic problem. I really like some of the hybrids they've come out with. Dermatology is one I talk about all the time. But then there are pure mineral sunscreens, which are the healthiest, zinc oxide, titanium oxide, which are reflectors. They have really gotten very good at formulating these with humectants, believe it or not, like hyaluronic acid and glycerin, adding some tint to them so that they go on and they look clear. They can get darker if you have a darker skin person and you need to use them because it does they minerals have a white cast they're reflectors so of course they do so they've been able to do the non-nano versions of these the larger particles with these other ingredients to make these much more user-friendly to people so sunscreen very important i am not one of these people that says you need to slather yourself in sunscreen day in day out and never get any sun 10 to 15 minutes of sun a day or every other day two or three times a week Early morning, late afternoon is actually quite good for you. We are surface dwellers. We don't live in caves. So we need some sunlight. That's why it feels good. <laughs> you know, there's a reason why when we're in the sun, it's not a thousand degrees outside, like fall or spring, you know, you, and we're all outdoors. You just feel better. I think it does a lot more than just help you produce vitamin D. I think it helps balance a lot of hormones. There are a lot of things in our brain, serotonin. There are a lot of things we produce. That light makes a big difference. I mean, that's why we have people who, I had that problem living up north. I grew up in Texas. I loved living up there, but I hated deep winter. I hated after Christmas all the way until April, it was just dark outside and cloudy. And it was very depressing while it's seasonal you know, disorder. Yeah, I had that, that whole issue. So I actually had to go find a place where I could get some light, but low level UVA, because I didn't couldn't go to a tanning booth. That's against all my rules. So I had to figure that out. They have special lamps for that, by the way, now. 
but that's a real thing. So I don't want people to come away from this going, I should never get any sun. It's accumulated sun damage that causes the skin problems we see. It's not your 15 minutes. It's not wearing any sunscreen at all, all the time driving your car. Even for me wearing sunscreen, the left side of my face, neck, and this arm have significantly more, I don't have a lot, but if you look at the two together, there's significantly more photo damage on one other. And that's just from exposure over the years. I'm 58, a long time to be in the sun. So while I look really great and I'm very happy with where I'm at, even with sunscreen, you're going to accumulate some sun damage. I mean, that's it. So, but mineral sunscreen, sunscreen is very important. You don't need a 50 or a 60 or 70 or 80, 50 is okay. But when you start getting over that, no matter what kind they are, they're too greasy. You get a false sense of security and don't put them on enough. And they get in your eyes. They're, it's awful. If you get them in your eyes or you get them, in, they taste bad. So I'm a 35, I'd say 35 over 30. 35 is good. 45 is okay. 50 is, should be the max that you're applying to your skin because it just, it's just not necessary to spend that kind of money. You're going to have to reapply it anyway. So, you know, why do that? So, yes, good advice there. So let's, you talked about what we should avoid with sunscreen, but what are the seven freaky chemicals in general that we should avoid in skincare? A lot of these are now more well-known. Parabens, yeah. of course. Yep. First and foremost. And tell us uh, why when you go through each of these, kind of tell, just in short. Well, parabens are toxic. I mean, that's a, it's a toxic substance, preservative that you don't want in your bloodstream. It's, in, it's been linked to all sorts of cancer. now. This is lab cancer test. They haven't really have someone that they can say came down with cancer and tie it exactly to parabens. But there was enough alarming data on that, that that's when we started finally to see those coming out of things because nobody wanted to get sued with the, op- there's a chance that could cause cancer in somebody or it could eventually be linked. And they're getting better with these DNA trail tests on where cancers come from. So parabens won't see them very often occasionally in some of the older brands, the the uh, what we call them dinosaur brands of the 50s and 60s, Hollywood brands. They may have some stuff left over. I don't want to call anybody out because they may have changed and then I've said something wrong. But suffice it to say, that's very clearly marked on the label. It's required by the FDA. One that's not required by the FDA, by the way, which is one of mine, is fragrance, in fact, synthetic fragrance. And what everyone needs to understand about that is the FDA has allowed skincare companies to just use the word fragrance. So you don't know if it's natural fragrance, chemical fragrance, you know, synthetic fragrance. It's uh, this broad encompassing term that could be a mix of multiple chemicals. And synthetic fragrance, when I was learning ingredients, by the way, is the same stuff that's in Glade air fresheners, the oil stuff that you stick in the wall. And if you've ever had one of those oils on your fingers or gotten on your skin, it's very irritating. Now, great, granted, that's more than would be in a product, but that's the same stuff. If you have sensitive skin, you should stay clear of fragrance, even if it's a natural fragrance, because essential oils, while they are really good for a lot of things, they can be very irritating. It's not right. You don't know how much is in the product. Just stay away from them. So if you have sensitive skin... You're prone to dermatitis, even acne breakouts. Do not use stuff with fragrance in it. If you're going to use cologne or fragrance like that, you know, put it on your hands, put it on your hips. I love Dr. Dre talks about put it on your hip or put it here on your shoulders. Don't put it around your neck and face. It's a really good advice. Uh, same thing with shampoos. If you're sensitive to that, shampoos are loaded with fragrance. 
which leads me to the next one. This has really gotten easy for me. <laughs> Alcohol. You will see that in a lot of products, especially drugstore brands, because it is a it is a preservative. It also is what we call a volumizer. It helps keep oils from separating in products. There's two kinds of alcohol. The first is denatured alcohol. That one is like rubbing alcohol. It's very drying to skin, especially over time. You'll know it's in a product that usually you'll feel very cool when you put it on because it evaporates. But when it evaporates, it takes moisture from your skin with it. So it can be very drying. If you have dry skin or sensitive skin, that alcohol is a problem. So if you see the word alcohol alone or denatured alcohol, that can be bad for you. Oh, is that what's in like toners? Yeah, it used to be. They've gotten better about that because people quit buying them when the word got out. So you can get toners now that are made with green tea, glycerin that don't have alcohol. They usually tell you they're alcohol free now. A lot of them are using micellar water and their formulations with ionized water just gives the water molecules more ability to cleanse versus alcohol. But there are good alcohols. If you see ester alcohol, that's a fatty alcohol. So what they do is they take lipids and then they spin them really fast and it separates the molecules and it gives an oily alcohol, which is actually good for your skin, doesn't evaporate, doesn't dry your skin out. But because it's an alcohol that your body, our bodies use a lot of alcohol. People don't realize that when our foods ferment, fermented foods are really good for you. That's that kind of alcohol. So that's okay. And skincare products, that's okay to see. So I don't want everybody to go, oh, I can't use that. It says ester alcohol. Another, well, we did three of them when we talked about the sunscreen chemicals, because those were in there too. I would say, well, sulfates and sulfide, those are surfacants, same thing that's in Tide, same thing that's in the car wash, wash stuff. Not at the same concentration, but sulfites and sulfates strip oil. They're designed to remove oil from your skin and your hair. Now, if you have super oily skin and super oily hair, a degree of those in some products will probably work okay for you. But if you're of normal skin and normal hair, normal oil, normal oil production or dry skin, big no-no because they will... What I tell people with face washes and shampoos, your hair is good should never squeak. It should never be squeaky clean and tight. Your face should never feel tight and drawn once you've cleansed it. If it does, whatever you're using, and I don't care what brand it is, is stripping too much oil from your skin and hair, and it's going to cause you issues down the line. You have to go to a hydrating wash. So try to find one. If that's the case, what you're using, try to find one. That is uh, hyaluronic. Neutrogena just came out with a Hydra Boost face wash, which is wonderful. I've reviewed tons of these on the channel that will get your skin clean. You wear cosmetics, use a micellar water or an oil cleanser first to make sure you get it off. You want to take stuff off that way, not through surfacants. So it changes the pH of your skin is what it does. Keeps your skincare products from working well, dries your skin out and creates this crust that we were just talking about trying to get rid of with glycolic acid. It creates that textured dry skin feel your skin should always feel smooth and soft if it feels gritty or sandpapery you've got a build up of dead skin cells on that so you need that exfoliator but those products that are doing that to your skin body wash too can be a big problem i mean it can it can lead to a lot of issues formation of fine lines and wrinkles early which no one wants scrapey skin issues it can even lead to breakouts so just keep that in mind that's an easy way to know my face either feels fresh refreshed and hydrated, or it feels dry, squeaky, clean. No, for anybody, even oily skin. 
Well, tell us earlier in the show, you had mentioned light technologies. So I, you're kind of saying this is the way of the future that you think rather than focus, focusing on skincare, right, that only penetrates so deep, essentially, some of these other therapies may be really more effective and more first line therapy. So can you explain to the, our listeners a little bit about why? Sure. Tell us. So talk a little bit about light therapy. Yeah. So light therapy has been around for a long time in the sports world. That is how we saw people with injuries and in sports come back. <laughs> They're superhuman, but they had access to these leading edge technologies that used radio radio frequency, ultrasound therapy, and red light therapies to speed healing of muscle, tendon, and bone. Somewhere back there, and I've really tried to figure out where it skipped into skincare. You know, maybe it was because it sped bruising, you know, healing of bruising. Maybe that's how that started. But somewhere along the line, someone in the skincare industry, a dermatologist somewhere or a company, created devices that you could go to your dermatologist to use for acne, which was, you know, there's a purple light that the acne bacteria, which is only a part of the acne equation, it kills it out. Like it kills it out with without antibiotics. So it's a very helpful tool for a lot of people that have cystic acne. It stops that bacteria. So then they would begin testing out red light therapies, RF radio frequency, which is a radio wave that goes penetrates the skin down to the lower levels and actually warms that tissue up, warms your collagen production cells up, tickles the mitochondria, as I like to say, and turns that engine on. So over time, what happens is you're producing healthier skin and more collagen deeper, which is eventually going to show up on the surface. So these are not therapies that are going to make a difference in a day or two. It's going to take time. Well, people were going into estheticians' office dermatologist office and get these treatments and so on, paying three, four, five hundred dollars a pop, in addition to laser therapy, which has been around for a while, obviously. So now what we have is we have companies that have gone and been able to get FDA approval on the technology. It's a big difference on FDA approval on a device and FDA approval on a technology. So they're able to meet the FDA FDA's requirements on the technology and they've created for at home use devices. So now we have RF therapy devices. We have red light therapy masks and devices. Um, we have helmets that regrow hair. Yes, it really does work. We have electro muscle stimulation devices that we can roll. Metacube has one. Even Skin has a new smaller one called the Phoenix, which is really light, really great for people that don't want that heavy machinery. But when you go in and use a massage, it's an electrical massage that stimulates the muscles under the skin. And why that's helpful is as we get older, we lose some bone volume, especially ladies. So by stimulating the muscles underneath the skin, we build up muscle and are able to tone the skin. That's why facial yoga works. You know, I'm a big proponent of that. I'm some dermatologist on, on YouTube. They don't poo-poo. They just don't understand how that would be helpful. Well, I just gave you the science. So anytime you build a muscle, you're going to push the skin back out. Facial yoga, facial massage for circulation, these red light devices, these EMS devices can really make a big difference if you're consistent in using them. Now, it's like brushing your teeth. You got to use them consistently. And then what you start to see over a six-week period, an eight-week period, three-month period and onward is you begin to see an improvement of the shape and the tone of the face. It lifts a lot. It doesn't take a lot to lift that skin. Just a quarter of an inch lift, that's why lifestyle lifts are so easy and make a big difference, 
if you're able to add one fourth an inch of muscle to your jawbone through these exercises, you've lifted about an inch of skin off your neck. So it makes a big difference. Now, we've known about that in office therapies. Now you're able to spend a couple hundred bucks on a device and do it yourself, whereas it would have been an ongoing thing. And then, and then not to discredit or say you don't ever need to go to an in-office treatment, there are ultrasound therapies, old therapies, we could go on all day, that they have developed for different types of problems, aging problems on the skin, collagen production, bone loss, all these things. They make you have to go in because it's more powerful than the FDA would allow you to have in the home. You need a trained professional to do it, but it makes a big difference for people. So we've got laser therapies, we've got resurfacing therapies, and now we have light technology. And it's I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg of that. When they figured out that certain wavelengths of red light, which is non-invasive, doesn't do anything to hurt you is able to turn on different mitochondria. So now they figured out which one for hair. That just blows my mind. I've had friends test out some of these devices and they work. I'm like, you know, people that have not had hair for years or had cancer and it never came back or took a drug or have the, uh, you know, alopecia, especially for the women where they don't have to try mendoxidil and propecia and all these drugs that create all kinds of other problems for them. That's pretty significant. I think that's just a tip. I think as they get better and better targeting and pinpointing what range of light works with what range of cell, you're going to see this in cancer therapies. You're going to see it everywhere. And it's non-invasive. It doesn't hurt anything else. And it makes total sense to me because our bodies, as I said early on, you need some sun because our bodies are driven. All of our rhythms are driven by light. Our sleep, circadian rhythm. All of that stuff is all driven by the light that we see and experience during the day. So, you know, this is just taking that science so much further. So I think, you know, they come a long way with lasers. They can do all sorts of stuff with lasers now that 20 years ago, we would be talking about lasers 20 years ago, like we're talking about light therapy now. That's crazy. They can get rid of spider veins with a laser. They can do surgery with a laser now where they don't have to cut your skin. It's just crazy. So I think I'm excited about all of that. And then I think that doesn't mean topical skincare is going away. But I think what you'll see is because you're producing healthier skin cells through diets, through fitness, through these light therapies, you're going to need less products in the long run. And the products that you do use will work better because your skin, you know, skin, this whole chronological versus biological age, I routinely go in uh, when I get a physical, my biological age is always in the 20s. That's creeped up. <laughs> it used to be 28. Now it's 29. I'm like, okay, eventually, I guess when I'm in the 60s, it'll hit 30. And that just means that my blood pressure is good. All my blood markers are good. My blood sugar is good. My arteries are not hard. I have flexible, you know, I'm a big proponent in beet juice. It's been taking that forever. I'm one of the few people my age that I have a blood pressure problem. And I really, it's the nitrate, nitric oxide. All of those things I get from, I get that's a food. Now, I don't eat beets. I get the powder, but I'm very consistent and disciplined in what I do. I think that's the other reason things work so well for me. I work out three times a week. I cardio two times a week. I do intermittent fasting. But if it's a weekend where we're going out to dinner or it's a celebration, I just don't do it that day. That's what I mean by leaning. It's like I don't ever not have champagne. I don't ever not have a piece of cake. But my consistent lifestyle is pretty much set. And then, of course, I take supplementation, you know, like the beet juice, and I take collagen peptides. Those chain amino acids is an internal thing, too, because I get benefit 
that I can measure for me. So I share all that stuff on the channel. So you got to be consistent with it, though. Well, I want to ask, that kind of leads me to one of our final questions, what your top longevity tip is. But first, I have to ask about melasma because I have so many patients that come in asking about melasma and I'm not an esthetician. I would love to hire one to work in my office at, at some point and offer more aesthetic services here. But in kind of in your opinion, what are some ways to target melasma? And then we'll wrap up with your top longevity tip. Yeah, melasma, it has so many triggers. Ladies deal with it more often than guys do, especially after they have a child. And it's just, a, yeah, it's just an, an overproduction of pigment. I think all the things we talked about internally help reduce that at that level. But the, really, it's trying to just, you need products that disperse the melanin or suppress melanin production. And that's azelaic acid, tranexamic acid. There's several of them. That's another kojic acid, not hydroquinine. We don't usually use that one anymore, but those will help two things that will help disperse melanin production. They will help depress melanin production and even that out, but they will also help remove some of that discoloration. You can retinols have been really particularly retinol to hide, which is a, so retinol is vitamin A derivative. Then it turns into retinol to hide then retinoic acid. The reason a lot of people can't tolerate it is because of that conversion process. When you have a chemical conversion process on your skin, it gets irritated. It's like, what the heck is this? So when you use a retinol to hide product or bacuchiol or something like that, what it does is it speeds up that cellular turnover, gets rid of those extra melanite, melicocytes, whatever you want to call them, off the skin. And then as the skin comes up, it's going to stay, it's going to disperse that melanin. So you get less and less of that patchiness. Now, uh, melasma can go away on its own. Uh, it does do that. But I think what's important for that from internally is that vitamin C, those antioxidants. And we want to keep skin cells as healthy as we can and not have any damaged DNA. So it's really important when you have that issue to wear sunscreen because the sun will turn on more, your skin will turn on more melanin and those areas will be darker. So it takes some time with these acids. There's, um, a really great one is no is called faded f a d e d it's in a pink and white tube it's got the three acids in it um works very very well with people with melasma and then again azelaic acid should just be a part of your skincare routine it's very inexpensive it's about $20 on amazon get it from Naturium. that's susan yarrow's line or uh, the ordinary has it and just make that as one of your water-based serums every day. And that will help because it, it really helps even out that melanin production. It keeps part of your skin from producing more than other parts. Cause that's what that is. It's not an age spot. It's just, you have a patchy area where for whatever reason, the skin cells go, Oh, we need to produce more melanin. And we do over here. That's why I had to have those weird rough edges. It's almost like the, the uh, reverse of some of the, the skin diseases where you get a light, Mm -hmm. Patches, mm -hmm. that alopecia so it's like really strange how that works but those do work they've been proven to work and they're relatively inexpensive and mild to your skin so sure thank you well tell me as we're wrapping up the show here what your top longevity tip would be you've mentioned several so you can repeat something yeah i remember i said it was going to be <laughs> this is going to sound so old school but the studies just you know tony robbins just came out with a book that just bears it back out it's get off your butt You've got to be active. Be movement is everything. I don't care if it's walking. You don't have to be a runner. Although if you want to do that, you can. But 20 minutes a day, evening walk, so important to be standing upright and moving around and letting your body even out all these pressure points 
and our bottoms are our feet. You know, there's reflexology science behind that. As the pads of our feet are worked, it balances out hormone. It does so many things. So our body is designed to use things in the environment to stay healthy. And if we just sit all the time, that's the scariest thing to me too, is not to be able to move. I, I know people in their 30s that are like, I can't get out of bed in the morning. I'm like, but <laughs> so activity. I mean, all the things we've talked yep. about are could be any one of them you could pick, but movement is everything. Does love I mean? it, love it. Yes, I agree. Tell us where listeners can find you and your skincare line and your, your YouTube channel. Sure. The best way to find all of this is just to find me on YouTube. You know, it's Chris Gibson, or you can put Chris Gibson live. Either one, I'll show up first. And under every video and in the channel description are all of my social media links. My blog, Skin So Fabulous, is a really great resource because it takes the videos and packages them a different way than YouTube does so that you can go by topic. And that you just type in Skin So Fabulous in Google. It's, oh, I'm the only one with that name. And then the skincare is Clear Revolution Skincare. But again, all those links, rather than everybody trying to remember four links, it's better to just go get them there. So either go to Skin So Fabulous or go to Chris Gibson on YouTube and just open a video description and all of that stuff is on every single video. You can find me on Instagram. I'm everywhere. TikTok now. Yay. (laughs) Everywhere. (laughs) I encourage listeners to check you out. I've seen a few of your videos, including one where you're wearing that kind of light therapy we were just talking about on the face. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and really sharing skincare tips with our listeners as we all want to age beautifully. So this was wonderful. Thanks for coming on the show. I enjoyed it. After this interview, I asked Chris his opinion on Botox and fillers. And while he's not against them, he does recommend you wait until you really need them before starting as many people never stop once they start. Be sure to check out his YouTube station for a huge variety of tips at Chris Gibson Live. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.